It's good to see everybody today. Uh, we have been in a series for a few weeks now from Luke 4, where Jesus preached his first sermon after his fast. And uh, he went to Nazareth, he preached his first message, it didn't go very well. Uh, they actually tried to kill him. And we've been looking at this message that he risked his life to share with us. We're going to read it again today in Luke 4, 16 through 21. <coughs> Excuse me. So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as it was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So it was his custom, just so you guys know, was to go to church. It's a good custom. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, excuse <coughs> me, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So in these verses we see six things that Jesus has anointed to do. Preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. We've already looked at the first four. Today we're going to be looking at how Jesus is anointed to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Okay? Do you know anybody who's oppressed? All right. Uh, the dictionary.com says that oppressed means burdened with cruel or unjust in positions or restraints, subjected to a burdensome or harsh exercise of authority or power. So it's excessive. It's burdensome, it's cruel, unusual, unfair treatment uh, from somebody. And the first mention of this in the Bible is in Exodus 3.9. It says, Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. So someone is oppressing somebody who is subject to harsh, authoritative treatment like the Israelites were in Egypt when they were in slavery. So uh, would you think the Romans would qualify under this definition of how they treated the Jews? Yeah, they were very oppressive. They made them, Jesus said, they'd make you walk one mile, go with them too. But Jesus didn't come to set us free from unfair government treatment, did he? Sometimes we wish that he did or whatever uh, in different situations. But that's not why he came. He came to set us free from the tyranny of the devil, the unfair, harsh, treatment that the devil tries to instill in our lives. Amen. He came to set us free and he's anointed to set at liberty those who are oppressed by the devil. Okay. You know, in today in church, uh, a lot of places you don't even need a devil. You don't need a devil because they think God is the one who's the oppressor, he's the punisher, he's the abuser, he's the do he's one doing all these things in our lives. And so how are they gonna resist the devil so he'll flee from them when they think that these things came from the hand of God? It was God's sovereignty in my life and stuff like that. And you know, a lot of people believe that and then so when the, when the oppressor comes, and oppression comes, they can't tell the difference if it's the Holy Spirit or if it's a demonic spirit. And it's how they've been taught, and it's not right. So we previously shared 
the meaning of the word liberty in week three, uh, when we looked at this, and remember we said, liberty, 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 liberty. Remember that? So it's help you remember that jingle. But the word liberty means freedom, pardon, deliverance, forgiveness, and remission. Liberty also means to release from bondage or imprisonment, forgiveness or pardon of sin, letting them go as if they had never been committed, and remission of the penalty. Now we hear the word remission, we often think of remission, cancer being in remission, but the word remission means cancellation of a debt, a charge, or a penalty. So there was something was going on where the devil had access in our lives. He had liberty in our lives to bring torment, torture, uncruel, unusual punishment in our lives. But Jesus came to set at liberty those who were oppressed. The devil doesn't have that right anymore unless we give it to him. Amen. He is not as powerful as people think. I I wish I could find this verse. There's a verse in the Bible. I've read it before, but I can't find it. But it says, when we see who the devil really is in the end times, when it's all over and done, we're like, what? We were afraid of this guy this whole time? It was, that's, that's the devil? He was a created being, amen? He is nothing in comparison to God. So the word um, means the cancellation of a debt, a charge, or a penalty. So to be clear, we're talking about liberty from bondage, liberty from imprisonment, and liberty from the charges and consequences and the penalties for our sins. So this is one of the things Jesus anointed to do, and yet in churches growing up, we preach about sin like almost every Sunday and how God's going to get you or this is going to happen, this is going to happen, when he came to set at liberty those who have been oppressed from sin and from the consequences of sin, the punishment, all those things, he was punished on our, in our place, in our behalf, so we could be set at liberty and be free. The cancellation, the pardon, the debt removed, the burden removing, yoke destroying power of God in our lives, how can we walk in those things if we don't even know what he did? Amen? So Jesus anointed to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And it's interesting how this is worded. It just says it's set at liberty those oppressed. It didn't say preach it. It didn't say proclaim it. It says to set at liberty. The words to set, it's one word in the, in the Greek. Excuse me. To set at liberty. But it means to order one to go to a place appointed. To send away, dismiss. To allow one to depart that he may be in the state of liberty to order one to depart, send off, to drive away. So the words to set, uh, to set is where we get our word apostle. It means a sent one, okay? So the person needs, the person needed liberty uh, is in bondage to oppression and Jesus is anointed to bring them to that place of liberty by either sending them to a place of freedom or sending their oppressor away so that they're free. He's anointed to set you at liberty if you're impressed, okay? So that's good news. That's good news. All right, so what does it mean to be oppressed? We saw oppression connection to slavery in the Old Testament, but what does it mean for us today? Isaiah 54, 14 says this. In righteousness you shall be established, you shall be far from oppression, you shall be far from fear. So here there's a connection with fear and oppression. Fear and oppression. 
Do you know anyone who's oppressed by fear? Do you know anyone? All right, Webster's Dictionary says this, fear, excuse me. Fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion caused by anticipation or awareness of danger. To be afraid of, expect with alarm, fear of the worst. So when we're dealing with fear, we're usually dealing with worst case scenarios and what ifs. What if this happens? What if this car accident happens? What if this terrorist attack happens? What if this family member gets sick? What if this happens and what happens? And you can get so worked up over the what ifs of having something that hasn't even happened, you can actually steal your joy and your peace. You can be all worked up and tense over something that hasn't even happened. You ever done it? I know you have. I have too. You just your your imagination starts going down this track, and you start visiting this or this or if this happens, if this money doesn't come in time, then this and this and this chain reaction and stuff. And the Bible talks about it'll keep you in perfect peace whose mind is fixed on Him, not the worst case scenario of the what ifs. Amen. And half those times, most of those times, those things never even come to pass anyway. But it's just sent to torment you and torture you. Okay. So there's common fears, people, they call them common because they happen with a lot of people, okay? Uh, there's surveys I saw online. Some common fears are ghosts, the existence of evil powers in the dark, cockroaches, <coughs> saw a few of those in Uganda, they are pretty nasty, spiders, snakes, heights, water, enclosed spaces, tunnels and bridges, needles, social rejection, failure, examinations in public speaking. There's the list, if you look online sometimes, just things people are afraid of, the list is never ending. It is, there's, it's, people can be afraid of anything. People are afraid of ladybugs and butterflies and people are afraid of all kinds of stuff, frogs and stuff. And, and there's actually uh, what they consider abnormal fears and phobias, like fear of washing or bathing. Okay, that's a different one, huh? Wouldn't want to live with that guy. So, fear of chickens. Like, I don't know. I like eating chicken myself. I don't know about being afraid of chickens. Fear of the wind. <coughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> fear of peanut butter sticking to the roof of your mouth. I mean, how hard with that? Just don't eat it then if you're that afraid of it. Fear of flutes, plants, slime, bicycles. Fear of mirrors. How are you going to look and see what you look like, right? You're afraid of a mirror. Fear of fish, and you know, people actually go on medications and things like that to help them overcome these kind of fears and other kinds of fears. Fear is oppressive, and I know we can laugh about it, it's funny, it's weird, but there are people that don't even leave their home because they have to wear gloves, they're afraid of germs, they have to wear gloves all the time, they don't leave the house, they will not go out to get groceries, they'll not go, and fear is limiting their life and how they live on a day-to-day basis, and it's an oppressive spirit that came from the enemy. Amen, and you know them, you know them, you probably have felt it before. Oppressive feeling when you're home alone and you hear something, oh no, it's the boogeyman, or oh no, it's this, oh no, it's that. Well, who do you think helped you hear that, that, that thought? It wasn't all of a sudden like, oh man, the Holy Ghost is here. All right, praise God, we're gonna have a Holy Ghost party tonight. No, it's, all, it's always negative. It's always the worst case scenario. The, 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 the boogeyman's here to get you. So it causes people to live their lives trapped in their own paranoia. So according to the Bible, another type of oppression is sickness. 
Do you know that? If you know someone who's been sick for a while, I need a Kleenex if I can get someone hand me one, please. Um, thank you, sir. Thank you. Um, according to the Bible, this has been oppressive for me a little bit the last week or so. Not fun. But the Bible calls uh, sickness oppression. Doesn't it? Acts 10.38 says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. So here we see a direct connection with oppression, sickness, and the devil. Now just because somebody got sick doesn't mean, doesn't mean every single time they got sick because of the devil. Uh, sometimes they stayed up too late, they weren't eating well, and they weren't resting well, and made bad choices, or whatever. But sickness can come from the enemy. Amen. Amen. All right? It can. So sometimes we just uh, let ourselves get run down, but sometimes it comes from the enemy. But Jesus is anointed to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Whether suppression came in the form of sickness or it came in the form of fear or any other type of form, Jesus is anointed to set you at liberty. Amen. Amen. So the first thing I think of when I hear the word oppression to me is demonic influence. So uh, since the devil can't possess you, he tries to oppress you. Okay? If you're born again believer, your, uh, your spirit is perfected forever. It's, it's perfect as ever going to be. That's what the Bible talks about, your spirit man. But your soul, that's your mind, will, and your emotions, that's where he tries to oppress us. Okay? He does. He'll try to torment you. I got a little picture here to show you guys. Um, you guys have probably seen this in cartoons from way back in Bugs Bunny days and stuff like that. We got this little demon on one side and an angel on the other side trying to influence you on how you're making your decisions. He will try to torment you in your thought life. He'll try to torment you in your emotional life. He wants to influence your will in making decisions. So uh, the devil uses spiritual forces of wickedness to do this. But many Christians have trouble with the thoughts of, about demons. They do. Um, and I think, that, I think it's because of Hollywood. I think it's because of movies. They make you think these big, wicked, crazy, four wings, whatever, and they just are so big and powerful. It's a poof of wind. It's, a poof, it's, it's air. It's the word spirit is air. It's air. And, and the air can change in direction multiple times a day. And, and the, it can bring certain things your way where you can pick up on atmospheres when you're in certain places. You, you can go from feeling joyful to feeling oppressive just by crossing a state line, crossing a county line, going into someone's home. You can walk through a door of a house and walk in, no, these people aren't saved. You can, your spirit can sense things that's going on. So many Christians have trouble with the thought of, of, of people being tormented by demons, Christians being tormented by demons, but I likely wouldn't have trouble with someone saying, I know a fellow believer and he's really oppressed. Like, okay, they, they, they okay with that one? They likely wouldn't have trouble with saying, the devil's been harassing me all week. Or they likely wouldn't have a problem with someone saying, the devil made me do it. But when, when, they, when the reality of these statements are, there's demonic influence trying to inspire them to do a certain thing, one way or the other. And if we think that we're above reproach to the point where the enemy is not going to try to influence you in how you think, speak, act, talk, love, forgive, we are deceived. 
we're totally deceived. And the devil's going to have a heyday, like Andrew Womack says, he's going to eat your lunch and pop the bag. The Bible is filled with stories that the enemy is out to get us. He's trying to get us. And we have victory over him, but we have victory over him through the authority of Jesus and what we know is to be true. It's the way, the truth, and the life. It's, it's, you'll know the truth. The truth will make you free. The truth you don't know is not going to help you. So the Bible says uh, we are not to give place to the devil. It says don't give him a foothold through our bitterness and our unforgiveness, right? It says that we wrestle with spiritual forces of wickedness, and it says we're to resist the devil and he'll flee from us. So there's this interaction in the Bible, talks about this wrestling match kind of thing going on in the spirit realm that we need to know a little bit about what's going on so we can resist the devil so he'll flee. Because guess what? If you don't resist him, he's not going to flee. It's called fight the good fight of faith, not the good fight of passivity or whatever, or que sera, sera, okay? So clearly there's potential for interaction with the devil. We're in, at times in wrestling matches and our opponent wants to pin us or put us in some kind of stronghold or foothold. You know, I used to watch wrestling growing up back when it was still WWF and they had all kinds of different leg moves and stuff but I used to practice them on my brother and he'd practice them on me so... Whether, I don't know if this move is an ankle lock or a calf crusher, a figure four leg lock, or the old Boston Crab move, <laughs> which I did on my friend Daniel once, and he didn't like it. But anyway, I'm sure it hurt. But uh, it, looks, it looks a lot more fun on TV when you're doing those things. But whatever move the devil's trying to do in our lives, he's trying to do something that's going to cause you pain. He's going to try to do something to get a foothold into our lives, to try to hurt us and to hurt our families. But... Um, we're the ones that have to give him place. We, you have to give it to him. He can't just come in and take, take over. You know, he just can't come take over. He was a snake in the garden. He wasn't an elephant. He wasn't a gorilla or a lion. He was a snake. He has to snake his way into your life. And you have to give him access by whatever, by different ways. So he wants to get a stronghold. First Peter 5, 8 says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. It doesn't say he can devour anyone he wants to. He's seeking the ones whom he can devour. But who are these ones he can devour? They're the ones that are ignorant, the ones that are uninformed, unbelieving, and the ones that are oppressed. The ones that don't even know there's a spiritual fight to even be fought. Right? Now, I'm not sure why the church has trouble with this. The thought of uh, a Christian having a demon or being influenced by a demon. I think the word possession is the word that really gets people um, confused about the topic because possession, even in the Bible, didn't ever mean possession like you possess a car or you possess a house. It meant under the influence of, uh, just influencing. So uh, the word, uh, it's kind of like if you were to go to church this morning, <coughs> and you left your doors unlocked to your house or the windows open, and you came home and someone was in your house, they wouldn't possess the house just because they're in there. They'd just be an intruder. And then once you kick them out and the things would be back to normal, it's still your house. Well, it's the same thing in the spirit room. Okay? This, these, they try to trespass through an open door, through an open window, and they, they're going to influence your day until you do something about it. Just like that person in your house, they're going to stay there as long as you let them. Demons are like squatters. They want to stay there and, and going to stick around as long as they can until somebody puts their foot down and says, no, you get out of my house in Jesus' name. 
Well, just because a squatter snuck in the window or slipped in while you were at church doesn't mean they own your house, right? They're just trying to influence, they're just going to influence your day until you kick them out, right? All right, so um, just because a person is saved, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit doesn't mean they can't have a demon influence in their life. And I think the, the people telling us that it isn't true is hurting the church more than it's helping them. If we're, if we're wrestling, if we're fighting, whatever, are we going to really argue about if the demon is in them, on them, around them? If they're influenced, who cares if it's in me, on me, around me, in the house, or in the, in the corner, or whatever. It doesn't, if they're impacting my life in some way, in a negative way that's bringing oppression, we want to get rid of it, Amen. We don't need to fight over if it's in you or on you or whatever. <laughs> but um, just because a person is saved and baptized and filled the Spirit doesn't mean that person doesn't need freedom. Is it better? I can't tell the difference, but uh, hopefully it's better. So, um, so our salvation is perfect. Our spirit is perfect forever, but our soul realm, our mind, will, and emotions, they are in process, and they're not going to be perfect until we get to heaven, but our, our souls can experience liberty, and Jesus came to set at liberty your soul, your mind, will, and emotions. So am I saying a demon, a Christian can have a demon? Yeah, I'm saying that they can have one. They can possess a demon, but a demon can't possess them. Okay? Because they're still the one in charge. You know, I mean, we, we, we keep them around like pets. I mean, you know, when you don't forgive somebody, you guarantee access to the devil and demons in your life. Every time. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter if you're the pastor or you teach Sunday school. He said, if you let the sun go down on your anger, don't let it happen. You don't give the devil place. Don't give it to him. Well, guess what? Well, it's not that bad. Uh, it's okay. I, I've done it for so long, I hardly even notice. And guess what? It, it could be true. But you're not living in the liberty that Jesus paid for. Amen. All right, I'm going to show you this in the Bible, just so you know, that a Christian can have a demon, all right? Acts 8, 9 through 13. Simon the sorcerer, Okay. But there was a certain man called Simon <coughs> who previously practiced sorcery in the city and astonished the people of Samaria, claiming that he was someone great, to whom they all gave heed, from the least to the greatest, saying, this man is the great power of God. And they heeded him because he had astonished them with sorceries for a long time. But when they believed Philip as he preached the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus, both men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself also believed, and when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and was amazed seeing the miracles and signs which were done. So here's Simon, this sorcerer who did magical arts, did stuff that weren't godly, and he amazed everybody that said he's the great power of God, this great power this guy had. He gets saved. Do you see that? He believed. He was baptized, okay? Then later, Peter and John arrive on the scene in Samaria, and they start preaching to them, and they start laying hands on people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We'll pick this up in verse 18. When Simon, that Simon the sorcerer, saw 
that through the laying on the apostles' hands, the Holy Spirit was given, he offered them money, saying, give me this power also, that anyone in whom I lay my hands may receive, uh, may receive Holy Spirit. But, uh, Pete, <coughs> me. but Peter said to him, your money perished with you, because you thought the, the gift of God could be purchased with money. You have neither part nor par- portion in this matter, for your heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of your wickedness and pray, God, if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity. Okay? This newly baptized believer was saved, right? Possibly filled the spirit when, when Peter and John laid hands on people. Because it said everyone he laid hands on were all filled with the Holy Spirit and he was impressed with it. Now, Peter's telling him here, you are poisoned by bitterness and bound by iniquity or sin. Just because somebody prays a prayer of salvation, okay, and they're baptized in water, doesn't mean their soul realm isn't going to need an increase in liberty, an increase in freedom. This guy clearly was saved, but he didn't have much revelation or understanding of anything yet. He just barely knew anything. He was used to people pleasing and attract the crowd. But this guy needed more freedom, didn't he? And guess what? You have people all around you in church, and they need an increase in freedom. And Jesus is anointed to set at liberty those who are oppressed. Amen? And I'm telling you, in the church, it's become normal for people to live a defeated life. And we call it just the sufferings of Christ. When it's doubt and unbelief and it's, it's not God. Amen? We get people going through all this stuff and it's a lot of it's self-inflicted. Some of it's generational, some of it's ignorance, whatever it is. But Jesus still came to set at liberty those that are oppressed. And that applies for anybody. So I'm going to give some possible signs that demons might be uh, impacting your life. Now, again, when I'm saying this, I want you to belittle the demon in your mind, not exalt it, okay? Because Jesus is always so far greater. Everyone. Anything, any addiction, any powerful thing, any stronghold, any generational stuff, Jesus is so, so far superior, Amen. Now, I, I know somebody looking at me like, I can't believe you're talking about demons in church. It's funny because, uh, you know, I remember one night we were talking about, it was years ago. I remember you were there, Lucy. It was a bunch of us in the back. And we were just talking about different spiritual experiences that people have had. And when you get talking about that, oh man, people tell out all kinds of stories that they've never told before or don't tell in certain circles. And they start talking about how this happened to Grandma Sue and this happened over here and this demonic thing happened over here and they heard this story growing up and I, I saw this thing in the spirit realm. People have their stories, but people don't like to talk about it because it's, oh, you can't talk about that. We need to keep that hush-hush in the corner. No, the Bible says, bring it out into the light. That's where liberty is, is in the light, not in the darkness, Amen. So uh, I remember that night, by the time we finished telling some of these spooky stories, we were all needing to stop from praying in tongues for a while because we all felt like a spirit of fear coming in the room because we just glorified darkness too long. Have you done it? Okay, just making sure. So here's some <coughs> possible signs that demons might be impacting your life. Demons entice. 
They invariably tempt people to lie, cheat, and steal. Okay? Again, you, you, you are going to be tempted to do some things, and guess what? Who you submit yourself to is who your servant, who you obey. All right? Demons harass. Demons torture. This can be physical torture like arthritis. I'm reading this from uh, Derek Prince's notes. Mental torture like fear of going insane. Spiritual torture like inner accusations. You've committed the unpardonable sin. If you've ever met somebody who deep down believes they have committed the unpardonable sin, they are oppressed. And it takes a lot to convince them that it's not true. It's not easy. Compel. The word compel, there's no, <laughs> no word is more characterized of demon, demonic activity than the word compulsive. This can be drugs, <coughs> excuse me, alcohol, food, biting nails, cleaning the house, compulsive talking, rambling on pointlessly. Compulsive talking may also open the door to other demonic spirits of gossip and criticism. Enslave. They enslave, locked in uh, repetitive sin like lying and stealing. They cause addictions, smoking, eating disorders, drinking, uh, pornography, television, Facebook, and being addicted to anything. Um, sometimes people quit one addiction only to start another one. Define, uh, defile. Unclean spirits try to defile mental lives. They try to pollute our thoughts and imaginations with impure, lustful thoughts. For example, someone could be even, even taking communion. And all of a sudden, they have this like, perverted, lustful thought. Oh, guess what? That didn't come from the Holy Spirit, and it probably didn't come from you. Demonic spirits do have some power of influence and imagination and stuff. That's why the Bible says he cast down these vain imaginations and make them obedient to Christ. You didn't sin because you had that wicked thought. It doesn't mean you're, you committed the unpardonable sin. It, doesn't, it means you're in a spiritual battle that you're picking up on stuff. I mean, you can go into places, and you can feel this creepy, demonic, lustful stuff, all that you just go to bone, you feel it. I mean, sometimes just go by ASU and all of a sudden, whoa, oh man, there's some wicked stuff going on around here. Is it? It is. Um, demons try to pollute our speech. If a person cannot go more than a few seconds without cursing or swearing, there's, there's probably a demon involved. They deceive. <coughs> 1 Timothy 4.1 says that the last days some will depart from the faith and give heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. Okay, in the last days. People all believe we're in the last days. Well, guess what? There's deceiving spirits out there and doctrines of demons. And last one, uh, they attack the physical body. Demons of tiredness, sleepiness. One characteristic of peop most people who are demonized is restlessness. This can't sit still, they're restless. Now listen, just because someone's hyperactive or whatever, whatever, doesn't necessarily mean, these, this is, these are not a rule in every situation. But if you have a pattern, and you ask the Holy Spirit, and it's a consistent thing, and you can get more liberty in an area of your life, why not have it? When Jesus came and is anointed to set at liberty those that are oppressed. For example, let's say, let's say your, your dad died when, you, when he was 33 years old and you're 32 years old and three quarters, and your 33rd birthday is coming up, what, what do you think the devil's gonna try to make you believe? Now, now is, this, is, it, is it a demon? Does this mean he has a demon just because they're hearing demonic influence? Whether he has it or he doesn't have it, the point is the devil's trying to influence what you believe. 
to bring oppression to you. He can't possess you because you're a Christ, but if he can torture you and torment you in the process before you get to go to heaven, he's going to do it because he's a jerk like that. He's going to try to plant these little thoughts in there. You're going to die of cancer too. You're going to die of this too. This is going to happen to you too. The same thing happened to your mom's going to happen to you. And guess what? When you hear those voices, and you do, we all do, guess what you have to do? Take captive every thought, making it obedient to the word of God. And if you don't, you're going to be oppressed. It might not bother you as much as somebody else. You might be able to get some medication or whatever to help you pacify the intensity of some of the attacks. But I'm telling you, you don't have to stay there when Jesus came to set us free. He's anointed to set us free. Amen? So that's all my notes. Um, I just, <coughs> let me med a little bit. Um, I'm not preaching this um, because I'm super concerned about anybody in here, like, oh my gosh, like, you know, it was, if you noticed, it was a sequence, I was, I did them in order, next one I'm talking about, the year Jubilee, and uh, it's acceptable year of the Lord, it's to finish that series, but I will want to say this too, um, you know if you're oppressed with something, you, you might not know, you might just think, well, it's just the way that I am, it's the way that my mom was, my dad was, and my aunt, uncle, cousin was. But you know it. There's something going on there. And I think if you take a little bit of time and pray and ask God, is there some area of my life that you want to see an increase in liberty in, the Lord will speak to you about it. Amen. We're starting on Thursday night this week, uh, our Sozo training. And Sozo's all about inner healing and, and deliverance and getting set free from the lies we believe that hold us in bondage. The, the, the devil has authority in your life mostly through ignorance. We don't even know some things that we believe. We don't know why we believe it. We don't know these lies. But when the Holy Spirit reveals the lies you believe and then he exposes the truth to it, you're like, why did I ever believe that? And then the increased freedom comes. Well, guess who wants you to have an increase in freedom? Jesus. That's why he came. Now, if, if you were God... And wouldn't you want your children to have more freedom, more liberty? Amen. Amen. So if you guys will stand, I'm going to pray and bless you guys. <coughs> you know, a lot of stuff about demons don't, isn't talked about because a lot of people don't know much about it. But, uh, I didn't have my theology worked out on demonic stuff uh, years ago. And then Dick Robinson came to our church one day and he told me that I had demons. And I was very, very offended. Uh, he said, I was standing right over by the bathroom over there. He said, Brother Ron, you got demons. I'm like, I don't even know this dude. Like, who is this guy? Like, I'm like, um, I was saved feel the spirit. I was praying for people. They're physically getting healed. I've been on missions trips and all this stuff. I thought I was all that in a bag of chips and I, it was all good. And this guy told me I had demons and I was like, this guy's crazy. So I went home and prayed about it and God was like, don't be offended with him. He's right. He said he was right. And I know it was God. And I didn't like the answer. I wanted him to say he's wrong. He's a crazy old senile man or something. But it wasn't right. He was right. 
And so I went to his house in 2011. I was there for five days, I think, which it doesn't have to take that long, but he was just very, he pours a lot of in, time into pastors. And I spent uh, five days there. And we went over a lot of heart wounds from childhood, from my family, from just stuff. <coughs> and then we went into demonic influence. And I'm telling you, um, my life to me in the pulpit has always been an open book. I'll tell any story. My mother often writes on here, would you stop? Would you stop? Sorry, Mom. She goes, don't tell her every family secret we got. I'm like, I'm not trying to embarrass our family or anything like that. I just want more people to experience liberty. That's the only reason I'm telling it, not to make me look good or bad or my dad or my mom or anyone else look good or bad. It's just, if it helps somebody else, that's why I'm telling it. So after it was over, I was so completely different that I looked at myself in the mirror and my eyes looked different. The, the sparkle was different. I walked back, so like, I had to take a double look at myself in the mirror because I could see uh, I was changed. I didn't mean I didn't ever have to fight it or resist it afterwards or whatever. They tried to come back, <laughs> but it was a difference. And I remember coming home one night at the table. The kids are being noisy, and I was very noise sensitive before, like super, like way too noise sensitive before. And they're just doing their thing, their elementary school or whatever it was then. And I just didn't even notice. And uh, and Holly's like, "You're not going to say anything to tell them to be quiet." Like, wait, I didn't notice. She goes, "Are you joking me?" I go, "No, I'm not joking. I didn't notice." And um, my kids will tell you, I mean, and you guys that were here saw it, my life was changed. And it might look like that's a little thing, a little thing. But guess what? When you're living with somebody who has a lot of those little things, it's not as easy. Amen? So I'll go into more details later. I have a whole sermon series on this. I went over this, and you can hear more online. I just want you, I just, I just, my heart is, don't dismiss it as normal just because it's been your family line for 15 years or 15 generations. Jesus is anointed to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And your normal might not be God's version of normal in your life. And God can take you to put you at Ryan 2.0 or whatever, or, or whatever 2.0 in your life to make you a different person where you actually have a lot more peace so you're not stressed, you're not anxious, you're not fearful, you're not uh, bound up in oppression, uh, fearful what, what people think, the fear of man, and all sorts of kind of things. Those things don't have to be your normal. Amen? <coughs> so God, we just thank you that you are still anointed to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And God, I thank you that he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And we don't have to be in agreement with the lies of the devil. We can be in agreement with your truth that sets us free. I just bless your children right now. I thank you for them. I thank you for your great love for them. And I pray you will bring them into ever increasing levels of freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. The Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom or liberty. And we just thank you for that, God. I bless your children in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Have a great afternoon.